Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Alex Ryman, and uh, Jason's with me, and we also have a good friend of ours, Rob Clady. Rob, say hi, hi to the folks. How's it going, folks? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is something new and different for us. Uh, if you didn't watch our Facebook Live video, we we said we mentioned that we were going to be uh, recording the podcast somewhere new, and that new place is Tenacity Brewery in Flint. So, Alex, we just lost all of our Baptist listeners. But we gained a They're bunch of gone. Presbyterian <laughs> listeners, so yeah. you know that's a good thing. But, yeah, we're so... Rob, tell us a little bit about the brewery and what it's, what it's like to kind of... It's okay if I tell people that you're a Christian bar owner, I guess you can say? Yes, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it's an oxymoron, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, and I, I, I think back for, what, five or six years ago when first you know got the first liquor license and uh having to deal with that conflict like is this actually okay what about the stumbling thing what like how am i going to deal with this and um since that time i i think there was a lot of soul searching but it actually hasn't come up that much i mean really just say oh yeah you're okay that's that's cool so um yeah i christian uh business owner that serves really good beer and uh i just want you to know that i think you're a tremendous sinner and I'm not even sure why we're here right now. <laughs> I'm just it is true that I'm a sinner. Tremendous. I mean, yeah. thank you for that one. <laughs> you make but, a good product, but I don't know firsthand or anything. You've heard, yeah. Just read the reviews. <laughs> I, I've got to. I've got to be honest here. I love the background sounds. Going to be fantastic. But I got to be honest here. I am not a big fan of beer. So for the. You know, about when I was 25, 26 years old, I tried beer for the first time, you know, because I grew up, you know, kind of kind of Baptist background and, and things like that. And so beer was beer was off limits. Beer was bad. And so but I tried it for the first time and I was like, I'm, I'm in my mid 20s. I'm like, holy crap, it's carbonated. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> and so then I was like, how can anybody drink so many beers where they could get drunk? Like, I can't sit and drink five diet cokes like in a night well i think i'll just speak for myself and say that um when it comes to beer i think gluttony is a bigger issue than drunkenness quite yeah. frankly i mean you got you've got when you're drinking enough to get to that point you've you've far surpassed gluttony so <laughs> something to think about <laughs> so uh on this episode guys we're going to tackle a few different topics we've already tackled the fact that yes christians can have liquor licenses uh we're gonna <laughs> talk about why christians uh maybe should or shouldn't vote for trump and also we're gonna just talk mostly we're gonna talk about why why we should go to church because i feel like there's a lot of podcasts a lot of the christian podcasts are even starting to swing towards the anti-church route and they're they, they don't belong to a church or they just kind of go whenever they want to with no sort of regularity so we want to do an episode where we we kind of I guess are pro-church and we thought what better uh avenue to talk about uh pro-church than be at a brewery with a bar owner and two guys that are definitely not pastors yeah i mean normally we record at our uh at our church building so like it would have been pretty lame to be in our church building with a couple of pastors telling you why you should go to church. I mean, that's pretty much every Sunday morning anyway, so <laughs> I think we're going to have a good conversation here. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, there's there's no shortage of topics to be discussed with Rob. I've met with him a couple different times, and I feel like every time we talk, we always get to, like, man, why can't more people be like Ron Swanson? Like, that's... <laughs> if, if it was like, like that. Ron. Yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, guys, uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode and the discussion. This is not your pastor's podcast. One, here we go. All right, so we're back with Rob Clady. Uh, he's an, an incredible uh, business owner here in Flint, but Rob and I actually used to go to church together at a little church plant in downtown Flint. And one of the first times uh, I met Rob, I was talking to him. I had no idea that he owned these different businesses in downtown, and he was wearing a table and tap shirt, which is another uh, business that you own. And I was like, oh, I love that place. And my wife pulled me aside and said, yeah, he owns that place. I'm like, oh, I feel like such an idiot. But then one time we were walking around downtown Flint for one of the uh, events that happens down there called the Art Walk. And I run into Rob and we just start having this great conversation on the sidewalk. And this very, very drunk man comes up to Rob and says, dude, Rob, Captain Flint, man, you're a good dude. And he just walks off. And like, this is literally the first time I talk and interact with Rob outside of the church building and drunk people are coming up to him saying how awesome he is so I'm like I got to get to know this guy this guy's awesome so (laughs) good stuff yeah I know I know the first time I met you was actually at your house and so uh Hannah who played keys in my band at the time uh you guys put on house shows and she's like I'll book us a show at this house I was like oh that's pretty sweet and so all my contact was with your wife I had never met you, and I didn't know what you looked like or anything. And we're we get to your house, and we're setting up all of our gear. And you walk in, and I'm like, "Hey, hey, buddy, you here for the show?" And you're like, "I live here." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh man!" So basically, all of our first interactions with Rob were us being just complete idiots. My first impressions with everybody are terrible, just in general. It like happens. Jess, my wife, she's a real like she's a people person, and we'll we'll see people out and about that we haven't seen in a while. And she's like, you were being a total jerk. I was like, I'm just being me. Like, I, I don't know what you mean. And then she starts pointing out all these different things. And I'm like, yeah, I was a total prick. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even realize that. Like, my, my first impressions with people are always, are always really poor. But, Rob, do you want to talk about some of the stuff you do downtown? Some of the places you, you yeah. run or own? Or well, you know... Thanks for bringing up the house concert thing. That was fantastic. It um, was a blast. Yeah, because when we we moved from Lake Fenton to Flint in 2009, maybe it was 8, I think it was 8, into this ridiculously big house, which we did have a good pack of kids. I have six kids, so um, I think they each got a bedroom or something. But anyway, it was a ridiculously a large house, <laughs> and we said, hey, if we get this house... We're going to do something cool, like house concerts. So we did that every month for a couple of years. And, uh, yeah, your band was great. I, I always, man, I think I think back about a lot of uh, great events there, but that was one of them for sure. And um, then a couple of years after that, we started these, um, yeah, these businesses in Flint. The first one was the Flint Crepe Company. And it, it all started innocently enough. Uh, a guy named Tim Goodrich, who's still around town, he, he, um, he makes shoes. Tutorial. Oh, uh, I've, I've actually, they're boots, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so he was looking for a business to start, and I said, "Man, why don't you start a food business?" So him and I started this crepe cart, which was really kind of an odd thing. 
But uh, we started that, I think, in 2009, in a, just outside the courthouse on South Saginaw Street. And um, it went really well. And so, but we did get kicked off. We get kicked off the street because that was illegal. We didn't know it, or maybe we did, but <laughs> whatever. Sounds but, uh, like the man just trying to put you down. The man was putting us down. Yeah. So, the powers that be shut that down. It was way too successful. So it went to the Flint Farmers Market where Tim ran that cart for a couple of years until uh, we decided to open the brick and mortar in 2011. So that was the Flint Crepe Company. Uh, a couple of years later was Table and Tap. That's uh, 30 Michigan beers on tap and barbecue. And then was Tenacity Brewing, where we're at tonight, and then Merge, uh, which is cocktails and kind of Asian-inspired cuisine, and that's next to Table and Tap. Uh, how, so, how in the world do you get all this started? Like, that's what it's, to me, it's, like, amazing. Like most people, you know, like, if they own a business, that's one thing. But here, you've got, you wear a lot of hats, like, it seems like. Yeah, it, so it's, that's what. So I'm the starter, I guess. I mean, I've never, uh, despite my desire to be the world's best barista, that never happened. Yeah. Uh, bartender <laughs> is not my thing. So um, typically, what I do is I start something and find people that are better than me, and then I'm out of a job and I got to do something different and start it over. So that's what we've done. It does feel like we're to the point where maybe this is enough for now. Yeah. I'm, I'm having a good say, time. Are you addicted to starting businesses? Yes, that is my that is my addiction. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got me. Some people but, like heroin. Rob likes starting businesses. Yeah. Well, that's a, there's a funny story. Uh, one of the the managers that um, is kind of my right hand guy and and keeps me sane. I think a year ago said, "Hey man, you got you've got to just promise me you won't start any businesses for another four. I th- I don't know if it was it was five <laughs> years and now it's four years, and so I I think in the meantime I did start Heyday Coffee Roasting, but it kind of didn't count because it's in this building. So yeah, that, <clears throat> we kind of you know we didn't want to be legalistic about the rule, but um, <laughs> there is this rule that I can't start businesses for another four years. So we'll see if I can uh, can stick with that." <laughs> Do you have any ideas brewing? I mean, you don't have to share them, but I'm just I'm yeah. curious if you have any ideas brewing in your head. Um, yeah, I'd, you know, for for in like what we're doing downtown Flint specifically, it just feels like we're in a point we're at a point where we've just got to execute for years and years and years, and uh, it's really it's just crushing to my soul to say that to say that because uh, it would be nice to open. I think I've got it in me to open a few more, and there's people. Um, but just the feeling I, I get is that, um, yeah, we just need to build what we've got slowly. So, yeah, I've got ideas. But, um, <clears throat> I mean, I think there should be actually a, a heyday coffee shop. But uh, the Flint Crepe Company is, is, is scratching that itch. And um, maybe a little something will come down the, the road with that. I, I do think we need a distillery. Mm. Um, there is a cider company that's coming, uh, Flint Cider. Maybe it is called Flint Cider Company. So, I think every great city needs, um, you know, a diversity of these crafty businesses, and I'm hoping that other people will do them, though, really. I want to know what your ideas are, actually, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want more music stores to be opened up. Music and gun stores. If we can somehow combine those two, Ooh, my two music loves. gun store. <laughs> no, one of, so one of the things that, ever since I moved to Flint, I've come to just love the city. I used to live out, obviously, I, you guys have heard me tell this story before, I used to live out in the woods of Metamora, Michigan. And so, like, I had no idea of what it looked like to live in an urban environment. And when I came to Flint, I was a little bit, you know, I wanted to be a little bit guarded a little bit because I'm like, this is an urban area. This is where all the crime happens. This is where bad things happen to good people who come here. And you walk downtown 
And it's like, this is awesome. If you walk down during the art walk, or if you walk down during any one of the festivals that goes on here, it's just like a huge like, community party, and you always run into somebody that you know. That's one of the reasons why I love coming to Tenacity. It literally is like Cheers. I always run into somebody that knows my name. And so whenever somebody talks bad about Flint now, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. One, if you say anything else, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> Don't say anything bad about my city. And two, you need to go to Flint Crepe Company. You need to go to Table and Tap. You need to go to Tenacity. You need to go to Merge and check out these awesome restaurants. And then I'm like, oh, man, those are all Rob's places. <laughs> <laughs> There's other people downtown that have great restaurants. So, and Yeah, just, Lunch Studio. Yeah. Lunch Studio. Oh, check the out studio. the Lunch Studio. Yes. There. Is, uh, does Tracy still Tracy own still owns it, and she is, like, she's the pioneer. Um, so, so props to Tracy for being, I think she's nine or 10 years and then Ken from good beans, yeah. uh, check him out. He another makes great coffee, another independent coffee shop. Just great. So yeah, I used to work at Flint city t-shirts downtown Oh, right on. and I, uh, I would park, I had a Jeep grand wagon deer, 1989 wood paneling on the side. Okay. Good. Actually it was all my, uh, uh, what do you call it? All my open house money for my graduation. I used to buy a Jeep grand wagon deer. <laughs> And instead of, you know, going to college, which I thought at the time was fantastic. And, <laughs> you know, 10 years down the road as a design engineer, I think it was still the right move because I don't have any school debt. But that was one of my first memories working downtown. Uh, Tracy from uh, from the lunch studio comes running down. Do you own that Jeep? Yeah. She's like, can I get a picture of it in front of the lunch studio? I was like, absolutely. And it just, uh, I loved, I loved working downtown. But it's it's good to see uh, the businesses, the restaurants come in. I, I remember when I worked downtown, five o'clock would hit and everybody would be gone. Mm-hmm. It's like a ghost town. Like here come the tumbleweeds. Like yep. <laughs> five o'clock hit, and now it's fantastic. You know, ten, fifteen years later to come down here and still see there's people here and there's restaurants and there's life back in the city. So, I mean, to be quite honest, we could do a whole podcast episode talking about Flint, and maybe we will. I really want to highlight the city because I, I, I often think that lots of Christians, and if you're one of these Christians, it's okay, you can repent later. But one of these, <laughs> like a lot of Christians, they don't want to go into the city because they think it's gross, and they think that there's so much rampant sin there that there's no way that they could win the city over for Jesus. And that's just, that's just wrong. Yeah, see, see Tim Keller on this issue. Oh, we have. We talked about it. Changed my life. I mean, literally changed my thinking on this because uh, there was a time in my life when I I hung hung out with the Amish folks because it's kind of what resonated, that simple, you know, rural agricultural lifestyle that seems so Christian and holy. Um, And I'm not saying it's not, but I'm saying God God does have a heart for people and people are in cities. And yes, it's messy, and it's not. Um, it, it makes it, it takes made me, work. It does That's, take work, and it's made me see things in. Uh, I didn't want to say Fifty Shades of Grey, but I mean, it has <laughs> taken my convenient um, black and white worldview and kind of messed with it a little bit. Um, it's messy, you know, and it's difficult yeah. to uh, to navigate sometimes. But you know, God God loves the city, and uh, I think we should too. Yeah, I, I, did you read Center Church by Tim Keller? Or just his sermons, or yeah. In fact, he's got a he's got a sermon series right now. I mean, they're they've got a push. Um, they've got really big, you know, big goals and big visions for New York City. But so probably in the last. So that's another podcast I listened to yeah. in addition to this one <laughs> is Tim Keller's. And yeah, I I guess I'm just feeling that 
that heart for the city, and they're trying to team up with other churches and really make an impact, and they have. Um, in the, probably the 10 years I've been listening, it's been amazing to see the work that's been done. And he, he has numbers, I think. Oh, I want to say that, it, that it's gone from um, 2% to like 7% identify like in New York. And I, and I don't quote me on that, but yeah. like there has been massive progress. And, uh, you know, there's a hope that, that yes, it, there is going to be a, a serious move of the gospel in that, that place, which is amazing to think about. I mean, yeah. it just seems like um, it's going the other way. And so, yeah, very, I don't, very I don't cool think stuff. people, especially churches in suburbia, really appreciate how uh, the difference between church in a suburban setting and church in the inner city is completely different and so what true. works what works out in suburban area does not work in the city it's completely it's a completely different dynamic and i think alex <laughs> i'm shaking just, my head because i know this firsthand yeah, alex alex learned that the hard way so i read about it you know <laughs> and i didn't have a, a real working knowledge or model of it you know hands-on experience and then uh alex alex does uh it's it's completely that's a different, different. podcast yeah. episode. I have to work through some bitterness first. <laughs> yeah, I think we just like we just introed like five different episodes, and that's not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, we're here focus, to talk about focus, gentlemen. Yeah, focus. I know it. Let's let's bring this back around. I think Alex. I think that's the first time I've ever done a segue on our show. Nice, <laughs> nicely <laughs> done. And I just ruined Sanct- it by progressive out. sanctification. That's another yeah. episode. <laughs> I just ruined it by pointing out that I just did a segue, but. Uh, no, we're here to talk about church and why you should go to church. Ooh. Should yeah. you? Should you? Should yeah, well, should you? I mean, that's that's one of the things like we're here to discuss. And so I've I've asked this question to a lot of people, and I've asked this question to a lot of pastors. Why do we go to church? And you would think the answer would be really simple and really straightforward. And I think for a lot of Christians who grew up in the church, Maybe it is. I mean, it's just... It's it just kind of almost becomes like a habit. This is what we do on yeah, Sundays. We go we to do. church. And uh, I, I don't think it's that easy. I think, I think that question is... A, it sounds like an easy question to answer, but the more you dig into it, the harder it gets. And, right. and speaking to some, some of my friends who are, are pastors and engaging on their, res, their responses... Uh, and none of them had a quick answer, which is kind of like, I need you to give me a quick answer because I'm about to do a podcast on it. And I, I, I need some material. Well, there is here. a verse. I mean, won't the verse just work? What's that? Don't forsake the gathering of yourselves oh, yeah, together. Hebrews. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, for let's, sure. Let's... Don't forsake the like. And that's <laughs> that's one of those like default responses though, <laughs> right. and that like that works if you go to church. But the the way this whole thing popped into my head is I'm watching. First of all, Alex and I love Ghostbusters. It's one of our things. We love Ghostbusters and we love hockey. So, it's okay. Yeah. You don't like Ghostbusters? I mean, I I would say I've watched Ghostbusters. I mean, I to, what I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I watched the th- I don't Ghostbusters is great, guys. It's great. Yeah. Like I'm giving you like <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I you don't need to I, be I'm a politician about Ghostbusters right always flip flop in your position. I was just like debating this whole episode. Maybe we should stop now if Rob doesn't like Ghostbusters. Like that's kind of a deal breaker for me. Well, I I grew up in the '80s. Yes. Oh, I I like Ghostbusters. <laughs> 
So I'm watching this documentary on Netflix called Ghost Heads. And it's about these people who are probably down in the dumps a little bit. Life hasn't worked out for them for whatever reason. You know, it's, it's not going great for them. And they found, like, this piece inside of Ghostbusters. <laughs> and they, they dress up as Ghostbusters. One lady they, said that Ghostbusters helped cure her of her alcoholism. Yeah. And so... Like, uh, you know, you had situations like that, and these Ghostbusters, they get together, and they have this tight, nice mm-hmm. Ghostbusters community where they get together, and they show off their gear to each other, and they, they talk about the movie. But on top of that, they showed all these, like, uh, all these different uh, things where they were reaching out to the community. They were visiting children's hospitals, and just how fulfilling it was bringing a smile to a child's face and making dreams come true for people and just how rewarding it felt to be a part of the community, to have this identity as a Ghostbuster. Yeah. And I'm thinking... There's more of them than you think. They're yeah. all over the country. Yeah, the documentary was like... It was kind of overwhelming. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm like, how are those testimonies any different than what we get with church testimony? Like, they're almost word for word. I was, I was a drunk, or I was down on my life, or, uh, you know, this, this family member passed away, and, and you know what? I just remember Ghostbusters, and, <laughs> and you know, I, I, I put on the outfit, and all of a sudden, you know, everything was just great again, and, and then they, you know, find other people, and they have community, and then they're reaching out, and they're, they're, be, they're doing good work inside of the community, and all of a sudden... It looks exactly like church, but maybe without the hypocrisy. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So it looked like, on the surface level, it looked like all the positives of church community without all the negatives of bigotry. (laughs) Like, like, and things of that nature. So so that, that question came to my mind, why do we go to church? Well, so if you start with the with the premise as I do that you know that we were created to worship I think what you're saying fits right into that like there is our this thing within us that we have got to worship <clears throat> and so we're going to worship something um, you know maybe we'll get into later whether we're worshiping government or not yeah. <laughs> I tend to think that but it could be Ghostbusters I suppose yeah it um, might be an issue for me this might just yeah, be like so, a Jason problem <laughs> But I think that's just it. Like we're we are wired for community. We're wired for worship, and uh, you know, within the the Christian worldview, that that is include getting together with people that are that believe that as well, and that's church. But um, it does make sense to me that it could be anything um, that would be a substitute for that, and that doesn't make it right. Um, but it makes perfect sense to me. That we're created to worship, we're created for community, we're going to seek it out. It could be in a bar on Friday or Saturday night. And I've actually had people say, this is my church, like, which I feel a little awkward. Yeah. But I'm like, uh, yeah, well, uh, let's, <laughs> let's talk Where's about your that. your hymnal at? <laughs> yeah. But I get it. So it's like there's worship and there's community. Like those, those are here. There is no doubt about that. Um, is it a counterfeit um, to what I believe is truth? Yeah. Uh, but it fills those things. And I, I, I really don't think that the Ghostbusters thing is probably going to be ultimately fulfilling to those people. But um, <laughs> that's my worldview. Yeah, I mean, it's a documentary. So, I mean, it, they, they looked like true and honest feelings, and they probably were. <laughs> right. I'm going to be quite honest, Rob. I, I know a little bit of your story, and 
you have been to a lot of different churches in the Flint area. And to hear you say church is still important is very encouraging because you've, and we don't need to get into it because I, this could be a whole other podcast talking about churches hurting their members, mm-hmm. but you've gone through it. Jason's gone through it. I've gone through it. And to still have the three of us talking and saying, listen, we may not understand why we go to church <laughs> other than the fact that we do need that community and we do need to worship something. Uh, but to say that it's still important, even though you've been hurt, is is really encouraging. So I'm excited because I'm I'm still kind of working through some of the the situations that happened to me here in the city, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I feel like this podcast is for me. So the Holy Spirit's really helping me out with this podcast. Well, I wouldn't, I, you know, I'd love to address that a little bit. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's funny. My wife, uh, Tam, yeah, we've had some experiences with church. Um, Tamara made a fo- uh, Facebook post last uh what was it this sunday yes it was this sunday and she said this is the first sunday i think in four years that she has felt like where there wasn't this weight there wasn't a dread on saturday night and there wasn't this weight on a sunday morning um she felt free and not because she had like there was some breakthrough or forgiveness or something like it's just enough time that had passed apparently and um, maybe there was like some special grace given. I don't know what, but she just made that comment. <clears throat> so for her, it's been four years. Um, I have not felt uh, quite in the same way that she has, but I, I felt it, and I'm probably maybe less honest than her about like what that's meant. But yeah, it like <laughs> like we say, like church is hell. I don't know, like we're committed to it, but it has been a bloody mess, mm-hmm. and it, it has felt at times like the more you push in because you know that it is what you're supposed to do and like what you want to do, um, that the worse it goes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and so no, there's I this that, there's yeah. this thing like I'm just gonna chill. I I don't even need all this drama. I can be with God in nature or at the bar or wherever, you know, and and then rationalize this. It ultimately doesn't work, but I mean, committing to like be involved and say we're going to go somewhere, even and we've taken breaks and whatever, but like to be committed to that is not without the bloody mess that goes along with tr- like just trying to live that out because it just sucks and it's it's way easier to stay home, <clears throat> but there yeah. is just not. I mean, we we just feel like it's terrible to go sometimes, although we're in a better place like now and we're thankful for that. But there have been times and it's just like whoa, this is awful. The only problem is is being outside of community and not pursuing God in that way in community is even worse, as bad as that sounds. And like, so I'm not trying, like, I'll be the first one to not sugarcoat it because it's not, you know, I, I don't think that uh, <laughs> there's any illusions that, um, you know, being a Christian is means we're going to have an easy life and we're going to be friends with everybody. And it's just going to go great with brothers and sisters in Christ because of the Holy Spirit is going to make it all work. Um, it's not quite that simple. <laughs> well, that's what one of our pastor's friends always say. We're a family. We're one big dysfunctional family. Yes, very dysfunctional. Yes, dysfunctional hi- highlighting. And it's that. just like, like, it's like you go visit your family at Thanksgiving and all the mess that just comes up True. in your family. Why would the church be any different? I mean, right. if you think about it in that aspect. I know we're up against a break, but I just to, to comment and to add to what you said, I wrote an article uh, for uh, a publication called Snowbird Songs, and I, it was called "God, Please Blow Up Your Church," <laughs> and, and uh, one of the statements that I said in there is Jesus didn't necessarily leave us with a book on how to do life. 
he left us with a book on how to survive church. Mm-hmm. And, you, and what I meant by that is if you look at a lot of the letters that Paul wrote, he's addressing issues within the church, mm-hmm. not, yes. not necessarily outside of the church. He's addressing issues within the church. And there was a lot of issues uh, between Jews and Gentile converts and legalism versus liberty, our, yes. our freedom in Christ. And we have those same exact battles. 2,000 years later, the church is still toiling in the same battles. Yes. And God's word is still living and active. And the, the words of, of Paul and all of his letters, they, they still directly apply to the mess of church today. Yes. And I think, like, like you said, I think some people think, well, I'm going to church and this should just be peaceful and, and I want to get my life back on track. And then they, they step into the foot, the step of the doors of church and it's a giant mess. <laughs> <laughs> and that may not necessarily be a bad thing, but if you're expecting uh, this big, serene, peaceful environment... Uh, where you're going to get your life back together and you walk into a mess, it can be really disheartening for people. Yeah, let's, why don't we take a quick okay. break, guys? Uh, I have to use the restroom, so I think if, now's a great time for that. So we'll be right back. We'll get more with Rob in a second. I am so glad to be back at my house. I cannot believe I let Alex talk me into going to a brewery. You guys would not believe how sinful this place is. I mean, we walk in, we start setting up our stuff, and there's two guys across from us at a table playing Yahtzee. Dice. Gambling. With a beer in their hands. I mean, this place is a sin factory. Just kidding, guys. This place is fantastic. Alex and I are having a lot of fun out here, and we're so thankful for Rob for letting us come out and record our podcast here at Tenacity Brewery. And if you guys are ever in Flint, you guys need to check this place out. It is really cool. Before we get back to the show, though, I need to take a few minutes and do a couple of housekeeping type things. So you guys could really help Alex and I out by leaving us some reviews on iTunes and just sharing these episodes with your friends. That would be super cool. So Anytime you guys leave us a review on iTunes, it helps other listeners find our show and it eventually leads to more plays. And that's really all Alex and I really could ask for at this point in time is just to help us get our podcast out there and get more listeners. But in addition to that, there's lots of ways that you guys can get connected to us. So you can use the hashtag AskNYPP on Facebook and Twitter to ask us some questions or leave us some feedback or give us ideas for shows or maybe some ideas for guests. Alex and I like having other people on the show. So if you know to be cool that has a cool story, please send them our way. We'd love to have them on, especially if they're in the Flint area. You can also shoot us an email at notyourpastorspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can visit us on our website at www.notyourpastorspodcast.com, where Alex and I, in addition to our shows, we also write some blogs. Uh, One of the cool things, one of the cool ideas Alex and I are thinking about doing is starting a Facebook Live Bible study called Not Your Pastor's Commentary, where we address some scriptures that will probably never be ever brought up in the pulpit. We got some great shows coming up. We got a couple of pastors coming on the show next week to talk about prison ministry. Uh, A few weeks from then, we've got uh, Richard Jacobson, the author of the book Unchurching. He's going to come on and do a little interview for us. And then we are super pumped about our Halloween episode 
We're going to fill the baptismal of our church with Ouija boards and frog legs and just set it on fire and see what happens. It's going to be really, really cool. But really, I just want to say thank you to everybody. Alex and I, we're starting this thing from the ground up and we really don't have a single clue what we're doing. And so when we started the show, we were just really hoping through our first 10 episodes to get a thousand plays, about a hundred plays per episode. And so far with four episodes active, this will be our fifth one, but with four episodes active, we have over 600 plays and we just want to thank you so much for, for listening to our podcast. It really means a lot to us. So I know this has been a long break and with all that said, uh, just Let's get back to the show already. I suck at doing these things. I really hate doing these things. Alex, you're doing these little commercial break things from now on. All right. Hey, we're back at Tenacity Brewery in downtown Flint. So we're, we're still talking about the, the idea of why we should go to church. And I want to kind of venture and maybe talk about this, the, this a, a different way. And so one of the things that I see church nowadays as, and maybe this is just a little bit of my jaded view on church since everything that I've kind of gone through with my experience with working at a church. Church is a lot like a club. And there's lots of clubs in the world. So why would you want to go to the the club where everybody's a hypocrite and the music is maybe not the style that you like? Yeah. So <laughs> if church is a club, it's a it's probably the worst club <laughs> that, there, that there is. Join join the worst club. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to make some connections here. So this is so this is the reason why I think church is a club because it's so much like the gun club that I belong to. Yes, I have guns and I belong to a gun club with my uncle and my grandpa. Get over it, okay? We have the second amendment. <laughs> Go Trump. I'm just kidding. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so many. Why? <laughs> We're going to make America great again. Um, so one clubs have memberships. I have a membership at this gun club that I belong to. I I guess our church doesn't do memberships per se, but if you're like serving there and the pastor has your number, you're basically a member. So we, their churches have memberships, just like clubs have memberships. Uh, memberships have dues that you have to pay. So at my gun club that I belong to, every July I have to pay my dues. At a church, that's just the tithe, but it's kind of like a voluntary kind of membership fee but if you don't pay it and people find out that you don't tithe or you don't give you're very much looked down upon so it's almost like a voluntary mandatory paying option to be a part of this club also there's club activities that you have to participate in like if you're not serving or doing some (laughs) sort of event at the gun club like helping out at the gun club picnic or helping out at the fish fries that they do because they're very catholic so every (laughs) friday during lent is fish fry night which is actually really fun same thing at church if you don't help out with the events if you're not part of the youth group if you're not part of the jail ministry or any other of the ministries you're frowned upon so when you go to church it's basically like going to a club and i think that's one of the reasons why people are so turned off by church is because why would i join this club that literally is the worst club in the world to be a part of And I think what the problem is, is what we've done is we've taken the, the community aspect of what church is supposed to be. And you go, and I always tell people, like, if you want to know what church is supposed to be like, go to Acts 2. You always go to Acts 2, starting in verse 42. Read about those believers. 
and what they were doing and that really is church and like just seeing what they were doing how they were sacrificially giving how they were sitting around together learning from the disciples teaching and breaking bread together they were meeting in big groups in the synagogues but they were also meeting in small groups in homes um, breaking bread is completely awesome so at what point did we get it in our just very minute dumb brains <laughs> that we need to start making this community thing into a club thing. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on that? That's my little rant for the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> I think the problem, once again, is America. That's the problem. America. No, and, and so let me Wait, explain. You talk about America, boy? Let me explain. <laughs> I do think that we have this Western thing that's going on where when we look at anything, whether it's the new iPhone or church, it's like, like, how is this going to benefit me? What's the cost-benefit analysis? Yeah. Like, is this everything that I that I love? Um, if not, I'm going to, you know, hate on it or whatever. Versus an opportunity to serve um, a place to live out our faith in an imperfect way. Like, um, <clears throat> I th- I think that's part of the part of the problem is that we are looking at it with a consumer mindset about what we can get out of it. Now, that's that's overly simplified. I'm sure. Um, because it is the worst club ever, I'm sure. <laughs> but having said that, I think the way to change that would be not to say, like, oh, there must be the perfect church somewhere that is going to meet all my needs, but rather, like, where can I get involved in my community and and just be me and live out my faith and, and make a small, tiny difference? Um, that's, I mean, that's where I would go with it because I've, you know, I've I've been um, I've been in the situation where I've said, "Hey, I have something to give. I'm going. I think I can be an asset at church." To I've been on that that side of it, and I've been on the other side, which is like, I don't know what I believe or anything. Yeah, just teach me something. Help me. I don't know. I'm a mess. <laughs> like I've been on those two things, um, and I think it's interesting that even different styles of church uh, have appealed at different times. <clears throat> like I'm in a Presbyterian church right now. It's the weirdest thing. Like high church, <laughs> I would have never imagined in, in the world. Having led worship for a couple, a couple years, I find it so peaceful and refreshing that it's the same every week. Yeah. Like somebody <laughs> figured this out where I know, you know, five years ago <clears throat> that wouldn't have done. Like I would have, I would have felt this angst about, and I, I probably would have labeled it as, um, you know, cold or stodgy and now i'm like wow this is this is (laughs) um peaceful and just like it it just meets my need right now and so i think it does change i've seen that where it changes based on where i am in my in my walk but it's probably not so much about where we are as like just showing up and and being a part of this bigger thing so yeah I, i mean that's my my two cents is that uh it's it probably has something to do with our inherent uh, consumer mindset versus like, okay, so now I'm a follower of Christ. I need to interact with my brothers and sisters that also are. Where can I do that? How can I do that? Like, how can I serve? Yeah, you hit on something that Tim Keller hit on and and Center Church, and it seems like there's almost a huge pendulum swing going back to more uh, liturgy or just structure within church where but how's the holy spirit going to move freely if there's all this structure (laughs) (laughs) well that's the thing is is people especially a younger generation millennials coming in and their world maybe doesn't have as much structure right uh, 
as you would expect. And so when they look at the church and they come in and the and it doesn't look any different, you know, if they're playing a Justin Timberlake song, but they walk in the door at church and, you know, the pastor's, you know, just looks like a hipster like everybody else or <laughs> and there there's no difference compared to walking into, you know, a church with great structure uh, with a beautiful building, which artistically points to something. I mean, you, you walk in to something that looks completely countercultural, you know, high archways or stained glass. Or, there's a certain beauty in that that you don't get walking into an old warehouse that's been converted into a soundstage <laughs> that, frankly, looks like everything else. So, so you, you walk into this church and all of a sudden it's got structure where you didn't have structure before. And I think the pendulum is about to swing back really hard the other direction uh, where where people are going to be more attracted to maybe traditional church, well, the so, very church we re- kind of ran from yeah, 10, no, 15 so years that's, ago. That's what's blowing my mind right now because and I'm just to be clear on this, I so I am saying I'm finding an, an immense amount of peace in the Presbyterian church that I cannot, it just blows my mind. It, <laughs> it's like, what in the world? Yeah. Is, am I fooling myself? Because the reason that we ended up there is that we wanted a place we could walk to. <clears throat> we live downtown, and so when the church that we went to with Alex, um, when that ceased to exist in that location, um, we just wanted a place that we could walk to, which was fairly limiting. Yeah, we ended up in this place, and I'm like, well, let's try this. This is the weirdest thing. Like, uh, I don't, I don't. They wear robes. I don't even yeah. understand. There's a choir, a organ. I don't get it. There's all these symbols everywhere. I don't. But sure, I guess we can walk there. So let's do that. And so to be blown away by like, wow, there is such that I appreciate about this. Yeah. Um, I think that's what it is, is that um, I probably, without that limitation or without being at this point in our lives, I don't think we would have even given it a shot. And so we would have could have easily been in a more modern church and said, yes, I've been in, because I have been in churches where it felt dead. Right, and this doesn't feel dead to me. It feels peaceful. I mean, yeah. it just feels refreshing and what I need. But I've been in that similar type of uh, with the you know with those uh, similar accoutrements, and it was dead. I felt that right, and I just wanted to flee from it, and I just wanted the raw. Like we've been in some churches on the north side of Flint where it's just crazy. I mean, from my perspective, it feels yeah. like what's going to happen next, and then they ask you to come up and speak. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, this, this this is crazy. Um, and so there was a time when that was just, that was my jam, man. Like, this is the Holy Spirit. This is where I need to be. This is just like, it's crazy. Yes. Who knows what might happen, right? And um, that felt great. And now it just feels great to be like, wow, there's tradition here. This has been, the liturgy's been thought through. Yeah. I, and I just love this. But I don't think I would have had that opportunity having not been open to that or saying, well, I go to a, a typical church. Like, you know, like. We've gone to a similar type of church, yeah. and I love that kind of back music. When, back when non-denominational churches were cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. We're, we're not in with the Catholics, the Presbyterians, or the big Baptist associations. We're doing this on our own. I just call them secret Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really what they I are. I feel They're like every non-denominational church really has like a a like a Baptist uh, constitution that they have, but they just <laughs> it's white, whited out the word uh, Baptist. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I don't know if that is even making any sense other than to say, like, I think there are good reasons that um, 
yeah, you have the liturgy in the high church, and there's reasons that you have the more free-flowing, open uh, thing. Um, and I think there is something to appreciate about each one. And I think, as believers, we should challenge ourselves to say, like, do we really need to have it one way, or can we appreciate? Like, if I lived in Civic Park, I would like to think I would go to Joy Tabernacle. Love uh, Pastor McCatherine. We, we went there for a while, way outside my comfort zone, but I would like to think that since those are brothers and sisters in Christ, that even though that's not my jam, yeah. <laughs> to, you know, and I love the, I love all of the things about where we are, that similarly that would be my experience there. I think that is possible, um, but I don't know that it is if I'm, you know, if I'm looking at iPhone versus Android, you know, mentality. I think it's got to be like, I'm a believer. I engage with believers in my community. And I'm sure that sounds way too simplistic, too, but so that's what I'm going with, okay? You're really, <laughs> you're really community-centric, though. So what do you think about people who commute 45 minutes, 50 minutes to church when there's literally a church, uh, you know, every half mile or so? Like, So I've been there because there is there have been times when it's like I would rather drive all those miles because – there are people that this is what I need at this point. Yeah. Um, and I think we've all been in situations where you feel like if you're in a, a church that is not right, however, like it's not right for you or it's not, and you feel like you you need to change that and you can't, well, then I think you, you've you got to go somewhere else. And I think some people, and I, we've been there, like it can't be the church on the corner um, if there's only one church on the corner and it has not worked out. Like I, I get that. So it's hard to make blanket statements, but I do think we have, I would just say generally, I feel like we have taken a consumer mindset and kind of rejected like, no, let's, let's start with our community. Let's be in community with the people that we live by Mm -hmm. and, um, and start there. I think we could, I think we all could do better than that, but I'm not, I'm not going to cast stones at, at someone that, that drives 45 minutes because I can understand why you would. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my situation currently. I was, after uh, the church that Rob and I went to uh, closed in uh, the downtown Flint area, I told my wife, I said, we need to go to this other church plant that's starting up because it's in Flint and we live in Flint and I don't, I'm, I want to be where uh, we live. I want to serve the people in our community because if I go to a church in Lapeer or in Davison and I'm trying to reach my neighbors for Christ and I tell them if they get saved like hey you should come to church with me that's a half hour away that seems kind of ridiculous it made more sense for us to go to a church that was two minutes away so we could share the gospel with our neighbors and say and if they did get saved if God saved them we could say the next step is going to this church with us and listen it's only two minutes from your house isn't that awesome but we realized very quickly that the church that was two minutes from our house, even though it was authentic and it was good and the people there were great, that's not what my wife and I needed. We needed to kind of take some time to heal and figure some stuff out. So we actually drive 20 minutes to church now. So mm-hmm. that's right. something about two years ago I would have said, no, we're never doing that. We need to 15 minutes is, a, is as far as I'll go. But now I'm driving 20 minutes away. So mm-hmm. right. I'm a hypocrite and that's why I go to church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but. Yeah. I kind of want to draw some conclusions because we're kind of running out of time here. But so let's 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 play a game here. Let's. I am. You got a game for us? I'm just kidding. I'm not a big game guy. <laughs> if you're trying to convince me, hey, you need to become p- 
part of a church body again. You need to get in community. What were the things that you would say to me? What is different about church that is different from just being in a, a regular club? Like being a part of a gun club or being a part of a big Ghostbusters club. Like what's different? What does church offer that other clubs don't offer? And remember, you're trying to get me to go back to church now. So go. Well, I'm going to go first so you can wrap this up with the, with the slam dunk. Jason. Okay. <clears throat> but I'll just I'll, get, I'll just I'll toss out there I'll just toss out there where you while you uh, you cue that one up um, I, I guess where I would go is to say that that your siblings need you um, <clears throat> I would try to turn it away from like uh, certainly there is that component where God meets our needs through that community and through worship and all that and yes we're we're wired to worship and wired for community but <clears throat> I would say that that you know, other people need what you have. And if you are a believer, um, you need to share that. Like, be in community. Like, show up for the dinner. Show up for Thanksgiving dinner. Um, that would be my analogy to kind of bring it back to what, as a believer, um, with the Holy Spirit, how that works itself out <clears throat> in the church context and how that is needed. I think one of the um, most convicting things for me, so... Um, the fourth fourth Sunday of every month, I've been speaking at an old folks retirement home in Oxford, and you want to talk about a depressing ministry? Go preach to old folks. I, like, like no, they're they're fantastic. You and can't I, call I, them old folks. That's not PC. I mean, they're they're old people. They're real <laughs> old. And what sucks is you you get you make friends with these get with these people, and that just sucks. <laughs> and, and, yeah, but this. You know, a couple Sundays ago, I, I you know I had met this guy there. His name was Ben, and he's telling me all this fantastic stuff of how God has been working. I mean, at 20 years old, he was diagnosed with polio. I mean, thinks he's about to die. They throw him in the hospital with everybody else who's been diagnosed with polio. I mean, he thinks he's got hours to live. The doctor says he's got hours to live. And the church prayed over him. His family prayed over him. And the next morning, the doctor said, you ain't got nothing. Go home. And here he is at 80 years old and just telling me this story. And then the following Sunday, I go back to the old folks home. And I'm like, hey, where's Ben at? And everybody just hangs their head because he passed away. Oh. And I was so, like, so like heartbroken in, in that ministry. But the other thing that's heartbreaking about it, I know um, at the jail we partner with Forgotten Man Ministries because often people in jail are just completely forgotten about. Nobody cares about them. And the same goes for the old folks' home. Nobody cares about them. Mm-hmm. They're just old grandma, old grandpa. Let's let's box them up in a home. You know, let's give them a nice view, whether it's fake or not. You know, they they're not gonna know. Here's all these people with all this life and all this history, and nobody cares to even tap into it. Yeah. And one of the books I've been reading, it posed this question, of who's praying for you, and I posed that question to the the six old ladies and the old man that I'm I'm preaching to as like as like show of hands who knows who's who's praying for you right now and nobody nobody had anything nobody was praying for these people and then to flip that on the head the book poses the next question who are you praying for and it's just it's it flips that whole thing on its head it's like man nobody's praying for me Yet I believe in a God who gives us this such powerful avenue of prayer, but nobody's praying for me. 
and I'm not praying for anybody. Like, that's why I need the community. That's why I'm searching for authentic worship. I don't just want to go hear the band. I don't want to just go play in the band. Like, I want to have authentic community. I want to know people are praying for me because life sucks. <laughs> like, it really sucks sometimes. And I want to know that people are praying for me. And at the same time, I want to have others that I'm praying for. And to me, like, there's this whole element of God and maybe mystery, you know, mm. that you do not get. Like, Alex, man, I love you. And we could put on some proton packs. And we could go to a children's hospital and we could put some smiles on some faces. But when you come to me with a need, like me showing you my new proton packs, probably not going to do it for you. <laughs> right? I mean, you're going <laughs> to... I don't know what to, like, I don't know what to say to that because I love Ghostbusters, but I also... I don't know how Sean and I are going to make our mortgage this month. So, uh, brother... I need some money. I'm just kidding. Well, here's the thing. Like, part of that part of that mystery and part of that community, there's been times in my life, flat broke, nothing in the bank account. I'm not good at managing money. I'll admit that. Like, I, I'm just not. I, sometimes I think that I am and I'm not. There was one time where I go to church and I'm just dead on a Sunday morning and just so overthrown with, with worry because I got a medical bill for three grand and the IRS contacted me saying I filed my taxes wrong because I do everything on TurboTax. <laughs> and, you know, they said, you owe this amount of money. And it's just all, you know, two letters in the mail, and I owe five grand, and I just died inside. I've got nothing. And, like, that's not something I want to share with people. Nobody wants to share, like, their financial struggles. But I go to church... And God just put it on my heart like, no, you need to ask for prayer. And I was like, I don't want to, God. Like, I've got too much pride to ask people for something. But, like, the more I sat there, because our church used to do this really cool thing where we sat, we gathered around tables, and there was a time of prayer within the gathering, which was just sweet. I wish we could go back to that sometimes. But I'm with this group of people at this table, and I don't really know them. And God just keeps, it's like a hot poker, man. Ask for prayer. Ask for prayer. And I was like, I don't want to. And then I asked for prayer. I told people, I was like, medical bills. <laughs> and and in trouble with my taxes. And I'm just really completely overwhelmed. Will you guys pray for me? I don't even know what to do. And we prayed. And two weeks later in the mail, I got an unmarked letter don't know who it was from had a thousand dollars cash in it like so somebody heard that prayer request like I, I can only assume somebody heard that prayer request and sent the money I mean I cried so hard when I opened that up I did but on top of that I called the the bill collector the medical bill the collector and I said if I if I if I pay now will you give me any discount like on this and she's like we'll knock 50% of it off cut my bill in half and then the next day I go to uh, um, visit the IRS here in downtown Flint and uh, this lady comes up to me and I'm just sitting there with my head hung low but you know I'm kind of excited because I'm starting to see God work here 
And this lady goes, you're a Christian, aren't you? Like this, this big black woman. And I was like, yeah. And we had just such this awesome moment in the IRS building, me and this woman. I don't even know, just talking about God and everything. And I get to my appointment, and the IRS lady, she's like, oh, yeah, you're all clear. Like, there's nothing. And so I went from having all this debt to having nothing. And just being part of that community and having people pray for me. And God, every step of the way, whether it was random cash in the mail or whether it was the lady at the IRS building or whether it was the people in the prayer room, let's be honest. Like, we put our guard up all the time. But everybody's going through a crappy situation. It doesn't matter your social status or, or any of that. Like, no matter what walk of life you're in, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going through a hard time at one point or another that you have no control over. And God's there the whole entire time. And he's just saying, like a father to a child, just reach out to me. Just, mm-hmm. just ask. Just say something. But to me, I think there's been so many times where that church community... I mean, we could sit here and talk about all the negatives about church, and that is so easy to do. I can talk about different churches we visited, different ways I've been hurt. But just as much, I can talk about instances like those where I can't say anything negative, where I saw God work in my life. And and that's just like one of, one story that I have. There are so many other stories of other people. It's just, it's incredible. I don't think you get that through anything else I know I know like I mean if you're an atheist and you're listening you're probably saying well it's coincidence and 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 blah da and and maybe you're right but for some reason that I can't explain the Holy Spirit has put it on my heart to believe that 2,000 years ago some dude named Jesus died for my sins rose from the dead and I believe that and that's a crazy (laughs) that's a crazy story if we walked to the cemetery right now Alex (laughs) And we saw an empty grave, and you're like, "Yeah, that dude, he died three days ago." But right now, he's up and walking around. I'd be like, "You're, you're full of crap." Like, uh, we need to go get Alex's head checked. But yet, I believe it happened two thousand years ago, and I can't explain why. And yet, I actively see God moving in situations like that. Well, it's crazy. Well, brother, uh, you've convinced me. Uh, I think I'm going to go to go to church this Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to church. Everybody go to church. You'll get thousands of dollars randomly in the mail. Okay, this we're not we're not that kind of church. All right. Uh, so I guess maybe if we can draw our final conclusions. Uh, one, the church needs to stop being a club, and needs to start maybe focusing on community. And maybe that starts with not necessarily the. Uh, the staff of your church, if your if your church is big enough to have a staff, but maybe us as people who are maybe seeing these problems and seeing these uh, complications that are arising, we need to maybe step up and say, I don't like the way that looks. Can I maybe meet with somebody or maybe get together with a group of people and see how we can maybe change that? And then also, I think the church needs to work on being more authentic. If we maybe work on our authenticity, I think we're going to see a lot of those people that are on the fringes come back because they've been hurt and maybe all they want is somebody just to say, I'm sorry, I hurt you. Can we work through this together? And you know what the problem is? More people are going to just sweep stuff under the rug instead of saying, I'm sorry, I hurt you. 
I'm not being authentic. And that causes more problems when Jesus said, no, if you got a problem with your brother, you go talk to him about it. And you guys can reconcile this. And if you do that, you gain your brother back. So we need to, be, we need to stop being a club. We need to be more in community. We need to be, start being authentic. And also we just, man, I, I just need to start praying more, I think. Yeah, I think prayer is such a powerful tool that, that the church doesn't utilize. I mean, it's literally, it's a, it's a bookend at either end of a sermon. <laughs> Uh, be- before we move on, we, we got another uh, segment that we want to do here with Rob. And um, Rob, is there any final thoughts you have on the church or about why you should go to church before we move on to the next segment? And it's it's political, so you're going to love it. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait then. Let's just get right to that. No, I, I think I said, yeah, the only thing I wanted to mention is that, uh, Jason, when you were mentioning uh, your ministry to the old people, mm-hmm. um I'm sure you have a lot of really cool, and now that you're broadcasting from a brewery, probably r- really super cool people that are listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, so my challenge to all the the people with epic beards out there listening is you may not know that there are a lot of churches with old people in them that need young people, and it's probably yes. not the music that you like and all that, but I, I mean, that's, that's the challenge that I see is that if we truly are a family of believers... <clears throat> like yeah, that includes the elderly. That includes people of different races, cultures, socioeconomic situations. Like I think we should seek those those people that are different from us, that are brothers and sisters, and engage there. So especially the I think there is just a lot of some people would call them dying churches because they're filled with old people, yeah. um, and they don't have a lot of young blood. But that could change uh, instead of trying to start the n- new cool church. Um, if yeah, we would join these other brothers where they are, and I mean that's that's what I would like to see. And it's easier said than done, certainly. But um, I hope somebody will hear that, and and we'll have more beards uh, in in old churches. <laughs> and maybe you're right. Maybe the liturgy is what's going to attract them back. I think that would be a tragedy. I think it should be the people. I think I think uh, <laughs> there should be a heart for um, people that need to be in community. Yeah, and uh, if we all did that, I think church would and and uh, can be a beautiful thing. Cool. Well, Rob, again, thank you so much for doing this episode with us. I'm super excited for people to hear your points of view, and also for people to hear that we got out of our 115 year old musty church building to come to a brewery in downtown <laughs> yeah. Flint to record this. I'm, we're in so much sin right now, but it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to everybody's favorite question and answer segment, Ask NYPP. Oh, you're such a loser. And now it's time for Hashtag Ask NYPP. Questions you should have asked your pastor but asked us instead. All right, guys, today's Hashtag Ask NYPP question comes from our good buddy Austin. Not the Austin who was on our show last week, but another Austin. And Austin, who has a great smile, and uh, he says this. He says, what do you think of this? I know it's a long read. I'm just not sure what to make out of it. And he sends me a link to this article by Wayne Grudem. And this came out a couple weeks ago, but the article is, Why Voting for Donald Trump is a Morally Good Choice. Uh, To which I uh, uh, have some opinions about. And so he said, after, after sending me the link, he said, just reading it, it seems legit if you don't know a lot about 
politics, and it's on a Christian site that has posted some good things on it. I just wanted a person I trust opinion before I form any opinions of my own. Boy, Austin, you have come to the right place for opinions. I don't know how good they will be, but we will give you some opinions. I will say this about the article is this was circulating like mad about a month ago on Facebook. And uh, I read the article. I hated the article. Uh, the Onion posted an article that I loved making fun of this article, <laughs> which was fantastic. Um, but I'm going to let Rob, who's decided to join us for this segment, kind of kick this thing off because we know how Rob loves his politics. Wow. Yeah, so <clears throat> I love politics, but I love Grudem too. So um, I intentionally did not read that article when it came out <laughs> because I could I could just smell it. I could smell it, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to preserve my very high opinion <clears throat> of Dr. Grudem, <laughs> having uh, spent a lot of time in his wonderful systematic theology book, which I highly recommend. But then Jason said we might discuss this, so I had to read it, and I, uh, I think uh, <laughs> Wayne Grudem is a great theologian. I I do think that I can understand where he's coming from. I will say that I think that um, given where he lives and what he does and his Christian worldview and the traditional. Um, Republican talking points that have gone with that. I, I can see where he would say what he does, um, and I just totally disagree. <laughs> I, I couldn't disagree more. I, I do think that uh, the the starting point is I read that article. Um, you know, it was a very pragmatic, like, okay, let's go with this guy because at least it's better than going with this woman. Um which again, I can understand. That's a, that's the pragmatic view, and I and I did expect a little bit more um, than what I got on that. So I'll just say that I do respect the man. I totally think that he he uh, he missed the mark, and I think it's because of a um, um yeah maybe taking a little bit. I gotta be I gotta be careful about how I say this, <laughs> but I think the Republican Party and the quote unquote. You know, Chris, mainstream Christian worldview. I'm not sure where that converged and uh, failed to separate because I see, personally, I just see so many issues with that with that marriage. I just, I don't see it, and I and I I would not um, like a brother or sister that decides to vote for which whoever. That's uh, I really don't have a problem with that, but I I think making the case that he did was was a little troubling, I'll be honest, because yes. I, I just see Republican talking points, most of which I disagree with, and then underlying all that, this pragmatic thing that says we have to go, we have to just hold our nose and go with something that obviously if there wasn't moral, um, if there weren't moral questions involved, the, the title of the, the piece would be a little bit different. I mean, yeah. it's trying to, at its core, overturn moral objections to voting for this guy. And I think that's where it starts. And I think it's okay to say, hey, I'm not going to vote for him or I'm not going to vote for her. I'm not going to vote for anyone or I'm not going to participate. I think um, there's there's ways to justify all those positions on, on Scripture. More difficult 
to say you should do this <clears throat> because if you don't, then we might get a Supreme Court nominee that's not, I, I don't know. Yeah, so, <laughs> so one of the things that really stands out to me about this article that I really, really hate is his use of scripture because I think he is spiritually bullying people. Uh, I've got the article here in front of me. It says, this year we have an unusual opportunity to defeat Hillary Clinton and the pro-abortion, pro-gender confusion, anti-religious liberty tax and spend, big government, liberalism that she champions. <laughs> I believe, I mean, this is, this is huge here. Huge, huge. <laughs> I did not mean to do that. Uh, <laughs> I believe that defending that kind of liberalism would be a morally right action. Therefore, I feel the force of the words of James, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Uh, That's bull uh, honky. I'm just going to come out and say that. So, Austin, I'm going to answer your question this way. Why are you Why are you voting for somebody? Why are you voting for Trump? Why are you voting for Hillary? Why are you voting for, uh, why are you voting for Johnson? Is it... Is it going to help you or serve you to do your mission in life any better? Regardless of who wins the election, if it's Hillary, if it's Trump, or if it's Gary Johnson just surprises everybody and wins, which I don't know if that's going to happen, but there's a part of me that kind of wants to have a third party win just to say, haha. How much does it really impact you regardless of who wins? Now we're going to talk about God's sovereignty and all of this. <laughs> <laughs> but here's, here's my point, though. It's, it's almost like Christians will vote for the candidate that's anti-abortion, and they will do nothing to help out their local uh, crisis pregnancy center. They will do nothing. So it's almost like, well, I voted for the person that's anti-abortion, so I don't have to do anything about that in my community now because I voted for the person that's going to make laws and do things that's going to uh, promote that agenda. And to me, that's such garbage. It's almost like, no, you know what I want to vote for? I want to vote for the person that's really going to engage uh, Christians to encourage them to get their butts out of their seats and to do something. And sometimes I think, man, maybe I should vote for Hillary because she's going to do a bunch of stuff that I'm not going to agree with. But doesn't mean I'm not going to say, you know what, I'm a Christian. I think abortion is wrong. I'm going to volunteer at my crisis pregnancy center i'm going to have relationships with those who are gender confused or even have homosexual tendencies because i want them to meet jesus and guess what they're not going to meet jesus if i just sit on my butt in a pew and say well i voted for trump or i voted for gary johnson so they're going to handle that that's not on them for them to handle that's for me to to get my butt out of my seat and do something about yeah, it i'll go back to what i said earlier about the abortion protests at the halo burger Right. So, you know, the business is coming together to, to stop this this ridiculous protest. It was ridiculous. But then one of the guys I worked with, he he lived in Flint and I, I don't live in Flint. I live I live just outside of it. But he he lived in Flint. and He was telling me he's like the other night I saw a five year old boy at 3 a.m. walking the streets aimlessly. And this kid was dead in his eyes. And you tell me that that kid wouldn't be better off aborted. And, like, I understood where he was coming from. Like, yeah, there's a problem. We've got kids running around with no parents. I don't necessarily agree that he needs to be aborted, but where is the church in this? Mm -hmm. Where's the Christian in this? We're, we're the ones protesting it, but yet 
we're not there for the kid who's going to grow up without parents and make the crappy decisions, right? That yeah. And that we're going to persecute him for or persecute her for. But yet we want to remain hands-off and absent from the whole entire thing. And that is where I think we are wrong. I mean, you want to talk about making a morally good choice, help the kid. <laughs> yeah. Get, get involved and help the kid. I don't think... I don't think the savior is legislation. I don't think it is. So I'm, yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's e- even this question. I think it is a great question, and people want to know, like, okay, so there's an election coming up. What, what are the thoughts on that? It, it's it's super good to have this conversation, but I I am kind of concerned. Well, I'm very concerned that America. Why, why am I bashing on America? What's wrong <laughs> with me, right? This is not. This is probably not good for ratings, whatever that means, guys. But <clears throat> I I do have this thing just the sinking feeling like we have made government our savior so like we actually think that whether trump or hillary like as christians as believers as some of the best and brightest among us not dr grudem like we actually believe that who wins or loses this election is a big hairy deal and it I'm just not feeling that. I'm not feeling... They said that eight years ago, Rob. <laughs> they say that every yeah. four years is the most important election, and somehow we survived Obama. I have no doubt that we will survive whatever... I mean, it is it is amazing, the terrible choices that we have. I mean, it it's kind of comical and really sad, but I think to as uh, Christians to to just lose our minds and forget that God is sovereign and that we are not, we're not really here uh, to elect people that will make laws so that we can be good Christians. That's really the opposite of what, <laughs> what it is to be a Christian. And that's just my, my perspective. Um, I think we've made an idol out of government. I think we think that laws are going to change the hearts of men and they are just not. And if like, if anybody should know that it would be a Christian that has a Bible. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know what, like, vote for whoever you want to. And I think if you don't vote for somebody, it doesn't mean that you vote for somebody else. Like, it doesn't quite work that way. So I hear that. Like, a vote for Johnson's a vote for Hillary or a vote for Johnson's a vote for Trump or whatever. I'm like, no, because my alternative probably is that I won't vote or I don't even, I don't know if I'm going to stay home or pick a third party or write in. But I think a wasted vote is one where you vote for somebody that, you don't think should be in office and i definitely don't think either one of them should be so now i've laid my cards on the table but that's just because i think that the solution to our problems that we have in this country is actually jesus it's not trump hillary or even the supreme court or abortion laws or any of that stuff i think it is uh you know the hearts of people being changed and I think the quicker that we can get off the depending on legislation and getting our people in office, the better off we'll be. Yeah, how dare you, Rob, sit in a brewery and tell me about Jesus. Uh, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I'm going to vote for the person that's going to have the best Saturday Night Live skits. <laughs> yeah. like, I think that's what I'm going to start voting for now because those are just hilarious. Regardless, at the time of this recording, you've got 60 days to make the morally correct choice. Whoa. <laughs> Is that not scary? Like, that's kind of that's kind of scary to me. 
Uh, man, I could keep going on about this article and how much I hate it. <laughs> like, I, I went through it. I printed it off. I've got it here with me. I highlighted things. I wrote comments. Uh, I just don't know how much it's worth it for me to be this angry over I know, something you could, I have you no can control pick, over. You could pick that apart. And I, yeah, I, I really do feel like, and when I read it, I almost thought man i should go just look at the republican platform and see if it was copy and pasted and that, that, i know that sounds terrible but like, like i it's just so cliched about the it is about like for I- issues like he said rebuilding the military i'm like haven't we all like from my perspective where i'm sitting as what i would consider a conservative christian yeah in a liberal town but like I thought we had all agreed that, like, our meddling around the country and, like, what George Bush said how many years ago that we can't be the policemen of the world. I thought we all had kind of decided that. And then he's saying, well, we need to vote for Trump so that he'll rebuild our our fledgling military. I'm like, what have all those trillions been doing? You know, like, and then it's just one issue after another, after another, after another. I, It's really troubling, man. I wish you wouldn't have... I wish you wouldn't have brought me into this. Well, we can thank Austin. Austin (laughs) Austin brought it to us. I just wanted to, I just want to think about Dr. Grudem and that nice blue book. he. he Oh man, (laughs) look at this. Uh, Listen, but the most likely result for not voting for Trump is that you'll be abandoning thousands of unborn babies who will be put to death under Hillary. Actually, uh, it's happening. We we've already abandoned thousands of unborn babies, regardless of how you, vote on abortion or not. And it's not going to change with Trump. It, I mean... No. It's not. And he just keeps going. There's thousands of Christians who will be excluded from their lifelong occupations. Thousands of poor who will never again be able to find high-paying jobs. And he keeps going and going. And like All these things, they're going to happen regardless. Yes. And they can all be solved if you just go to your neighbor and love them. Man, who said That's that? That's radical, I man. Know it. Who it said just. that? I think those are red letter words from the Bible. I don't know. Yeah, I I do think, and I and Jason and I actually had a little uh, text back and forth on this, and we probably should have saved. I I felt like this was. I enjoy talking about this because, <clears throat> I think there is this. Uh, again, we have this obsession with looking to government to solve those issues. And it just seems so clear to me, as you say, if we would love our neighbor, if we would realize that we are in a post-Christian America, if there ever was such a thing as a Christian America, like we are so beyond that. And I think people that live in Flint or any liberal city, like we we cannot help but see the writing on the wall. Like we are becoming secularized. Is that is that the term? Maybe if if you're living in Texas, it's it's different. You feel different. Or maybe if you go to one place to work and you work with people like you. But, like, America is changing. It is becoming secular. It is becoming more liberal. And I think that's... It's okay that we don't have the laws in our favor. And I think to hold on to legislation that makes it so a Christian business person is not persecuted is the exact opposite way to go. And so I don't... Like, that's the culture war that I just want to lose. Like, yeah. we've lost the culture war, yeah. right? Now let's win the culture for Christ because be, having that missionary posture is, as far as I can tell, is the only way to do it. Because I don't think um, the Crusades work. I don't think the legislation worked. 
it's not the way to convert people. Yeah, and I think part of my anger in writing that article, God, please blow up your church, is just <laughs> let's, let's just expedite the process. Let's just get on with it. Yeah. Like, let's let's start over. I mean, I think we're at a really good spot to make a huge change in the way we do church. And I don't know, kind of going back to our last topic a little bit, but... But you think about it, you think about the baby boomers are kind of on their way out. And they they went to church, but it was just religious obligation, right? They're, the generation comes up below them and they see, well, my parents went to church, but just religious obligation. And they're just a bunch of hypocrites and I'm just not going. And it, it all boils down to now you have a generation of people who are completely unchurched. Yeah. So we have like our opportunity to really assess how we do it. Do we do it with fancy lights and sound stages? Or do we do it like Alex, you said, Acts 2? was so right. much simpler and just as effective and probably more authentic. Like, I'm in favor of let's you know let's yeah. start over. Let's like we got a clean slate here. I love that. And you know what, Alex, I, I you play a mean guitar, I love that. And I <laughs> wish I would have I wish I would have heard some of the stuff you do at the prison ministry. But I've had this I've had this a dilemma in my mind and having led worship and and all of that um, I think I can speak to this and say like we are we meaning believers are never going to be cool like I think we should just admit it <laughs> like I'm going to the ACDC concert tomorrow well I don't oh, know man. if I'm not sure what you think you know about Axl Rose or if he's that guy it seems like he's pulling off the notes but um, <clears throat> whatever you think about that child, that's what, that's what that you is. know I, like that is the most unsanctified music, I'm sure. But I mean, I'm the production jealous. level, right? It's not going to be matched. I, I hate to say it. Like, I'm sorry. Um, we're just not going to be that cool. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to not have the laws, to not be the best. I think it's okay to just have Christ. So that's that's what I think. Uh, I think Hank Hill said it. You're not making music better. You're making Christianity worse. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think, I think, you know. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're 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 approaching the the time where we're probably gonna have to split this up into two podcasts yeah. because we're we've talked so much. But Rob, again, thank you so much for coming on and being a part of this with us. Yeah, it thanks really for coming fun. out to the brewery. <laughs> Glad yeah. we could uh, get you here, and it's nice to see you haven't stumbled. So. I, uh, I can you. confirm that you haven't. It's, uh, it's been all root beer tonight. <laughs> and, and water. Lots of water. Yeah, thanks, though. Good, good stuff. <laughs> all right. Hey, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yep. That'd be awesome. All right, guys. Uh, again, uh, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're in church on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and always keep your stick on the ice. <laughs>